This evening's scripture reading will be read from Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I woke not. For I am in the strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians tonight. And I want us to think for just a few moments about the question, Is Christ your life? And we're going to be looking at some excerpts from the book of Philippians penned by the hand of Paul in approximately A.D. 62. And before we do that, we want to take this opportunity, as always, to extend a very welcome reception to those of you who are visiting. As always, we count you an honored guest, and we appreciate your presence and trust you will have the opportunity to come again. We're grateful for the opportunity to be members of the church, to be a member of the congregation here. It is our prayer that the church here will be a light in this community and that we can lead others to Christ. Tonight we want to focus for just a few moments on the theme and the question, is Christ your life? Now many times we tend to compartmentalize our lives. And yet when we think about Christianity, I think it's incumbent on us to recognize that Christianity demands the entirety of our life. We must be the kind of people who literally saturate our lives with the Lord. We need to be wholly focused upon him and upon his word. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, Paul talks about how we have been raised with Christ and that we are to set our affections on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 3 of chapter 3, he says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall appear with him in glory. Tonight we ask the question, is Christ your life? Not just a portion of your life, but is he the focal point, the entirety of your life? Let's think for just a few moments about what Paul says in writing to the saints at Philippi. The first thing that I would ask you to consider with me is that when you look at the life of Paul, his was a life that was centered on Christ. In other words, Christ was the hub of his life. Sometimes we talk about the book of Acts and we note the origin of the church and the infancy of that great institution and then the progression of the church of our Lord. In chapter 2, sometimes we call the hub of the Bible. I really believe that those of us who are Christians those of us who belong to the body of Christ. We need to view Christ and the church as the hub of our lives. Our lives need to revolve around 
Christ and his church. And certainly this was evident in the life of the Apostle Paul. I believe that when you talk about Paul, you're talking about an individual who focused on Jesus Christ. He was the cornerstone, the hub, if you please, of his life. Let's just note for a moment some verses in chapter 1. And one of the things that stands out in my mind about Christ and how he centered his life, or rather on the life of Paul and how he centered his life on Christ, is reflected in the fact that over and over again, the Apostle Paul alludes to Christ. For example, in verse 1, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6, he speaks of the day of Jesus Christ. In verse 8, he speaks of the affection of Jesus Christ. In verse 10, the day of Christ. Verse 11, by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 13, He brings to mind his chains which are in Christ. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ. Verse 16, the former preach Christ. Verse 18, Christ is preached. Verse 20, Christ will be magnified in my body. In verse 21, to live is Christ. Verse 23, to depart and be with Christ. Over and over again, there is this emphasis on Jesus Christ. I believe that Paul literally saturated his life with Jesus Christ. You and I, we do not have the opportunity to visually see Jesus Christ in the flesh. We're not going to have the opportunity to verbally hear him preach and teach. How then are we going to come... To a greater appreciation of Jesus Christ. How are we going to be able to see him more clearly in our lives? The only way that I know is spend time with him in the word of God. Paul was a man whose life was focused on Christ. His faith in Christ was evident. Over in chapter 2, he talks about the suffering of Christ. The sacrifice of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. In chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. When he brings to mind. How Christ emptied himself. And took upon himself. The form of human flesh. And became obedient unto death. Yea even the death of the cross. And thus he said. God has highly exalted him. And given him a name. Which is above every name. Paul was a man whose life was centered on Jesus Christ. And so the question tonight, is Christ your life? There's a second thing that we see in the life of Paul as reflected in his writings to the church at Philippi. This has to do with his commitment to Christ. Paul was a man who had a lot of heart. His heart, his affections were on Jesus Christ. Note, if you would, what he says in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out 
for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. In verse 21, he said, for to me to live is Christ. Paul's desire was to bring honor and glory to God the Father in Jesus Christ. When we talk about the sufferings of Paul and the great persecutions that he encountered, did you know that when he wrote this book, he was in a Roman prison? The time was about A.D. 62, some six years later. Historians indicate that Paul was put to death by the hands of Nero Caesar. And so when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he could say, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. Paul knew that death was imminent in his life. But what about his commitment? What about the level of commitment in the life of Paul? We talk about the commitment that we're to have as Christians. How committed are you to the cause of Christ? Are you willing to be spent for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to give everything for his cause, for his church? Paul was. Listen again to the words of Paul. He said that his desire was that Christ would be magnified in his body, whether by life or by death. Paul was willing to die for the cause of Christ, if that be the case. Ultimately, he did die for the cause of Christ. When he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 12, he said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Did Paul know what he was talking about? Absolutely. Paul was a man of immense commitment. His commitment was such that he was willing to do whatever to advance the cause of Christ. And his ultimate desire was to bring honor and glory to God, to magnify Christ in his body, whether by life or by death. If it meant by living he could bring honor and glory to God, then so be it. If through death he could further the cause of Christ and bring greater glory to the Lord, then so be it. But Paul was at peace with those thoughts. There's a third thing that we see in looking at the book of Philippians. And this has to do with his confidence. We're talking now about the great hope that Paul had. Now in verse 19 and verse 20, Paul speaks of the fact that he's willing to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in his body, whether by life or by death. Sometimes we talk about this is where the rubber meets the road. Why was Paul willing to be spent for the cause of Christ? Why give himself as a sacrifice for the advancement of the cause of Jesus Christ? Because he understood that there was great hope before him. There are a lot of people in our world today, and they have a lot materially and physically speaking. But when you talk about hope beyond the grave, hope beyond this veil of existence, they have none. 
And the reason is, number one, because they're in sin. And because they're in sin, they're lost. They do not know the Lord. The blood of Christ is not availing in their lives. And so look at verse 21. In verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. How could, how could Paul make a statement like that? On the one hand, to live is Christ. On the other, to die is gain. Because Paul saturated his life with Jesus Christ. He knew the one in whom he believed. He understood the great promises extended to those who were a part of God's family. Was it not Jesus who said during his earthly ministry, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me? In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Look at verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. In other words, I do not know. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. How could Paul view death as something far better? Most of us, we want to live. We're doing everything that we can to live longer in society today. One reason may be, one reason may be, we view things from a temporal, a, an ephemeral standpoint rather than an eternal standpoint or vantage point. When Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth, he said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, he said, Therefore we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If this fleshly body is set aside due to death, and that's what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. If we lay aside this temporal tabernacle of flesh, we are convinced that we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For Paul, Christ was his life. Again, the question, is Christ your life? Does he make up the entirety of your life? Many times as Christians, we want to give the Lord a piece of our lives. We want to give him a small slice of our lives and then just do as we please. Well, true Christianity demands my all. It demands that I surrender all. Sometimes we sing the song, all to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Do we mean that? 
Have we truly surrendered all to the cause of Christ? When we truly surrender everything to the Lord, when we bow in submission to him, then we can take that eternal view of life. Now there's a fourth thing that we see in the book of Philippians. Turn now over to chapter 4. In chapter 4, Paul talks about the great contentment that he enjoys in Christ. So now we're talking about his contentment in Christ Jesus. That is, his happiness. Look, if you would, at chapter 4, at verse 10. Bear in mind that Paul has already said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul had experienced the peace that passes all understanding. We think about all of the things that Paul faced in his life. And he's going to bring to mind some of the highs and the lows that he's faced in life. So look now at verse 10. Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul here is saying that he has come to a point in time in his life where he's found contentment. Now ask the question at the onset of our lesson, is Christ your life? I think that's an important question. Because if Christ is your life, then you're going to find contentment in this life. Sometimes we struggle with this idea of, com- of contentment. There are a lot of people in the world today, they're looking for happiness or contentment in all of the wrong places. Their lives are sadly filled with discontent. Maybe one of the reasons is because they're so focused on the here and now. They have the idea that the only thing that's going to bring true pleasure and gratification to life are material goods, material things. And so individuals talk about, well, I want to be content. I want to find some measure of contentment in my life. Well, how are we going to do that? For a long time I missed this. But I think Paul tells us how to find contentment in life. And look, look again at verse 11. In verse 11, Paul said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul has faced a wide array of things in life. He's enjoyed situations where he's had bounty. And then there have been other occasions when he has literally been in need. As he said, to the point of hunger. But through it all, he has learned to be content. You want to be content in life? 
then you have to learn to be content. The idea is contentment comes through education. How are you going to be content? You've got to learn how to be content. Paul said he was content in Christ. The only way that you and I can achieve true contentment in this life is to learn to be content. Now here's the source. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who's going to give me the strength to be content in a world that is filled with any number of trials and tribulations? Jesus Christ. Sometimes individuals have, I think, misconceptions about Christianity. They have the idea that when you become a Christian, that externally you walk around and everything just looks joyous and happy and, and all of that. I think Christianity is far more than that. Granted, we do want to have a very positive disposition in life. And we want to remain optimistic as we go through life. And we want to be filled with joy because Paul speaks of joy. Read the book of Philippians sometime and note the number of times that Paul uses this expression of rejoicing or joyfulness. And where is Paul writing from? Prison. So Paul understood the nature of being happy. But Paul understood that his happiness and contentment was not necessarily the result of things externally speaking. His contentment, his joyfulness, his happiness was because of this deep-seated conviction that he had in Jesus Christ. His world could literally be tumbling in externally speaking. But all was well within. Just a moment ago we sang the song, It is well with my soul. Think for a moment about Paul. Paul had the opportunity to preach the gospel on European soil. And in the book of Acts chapter 16, we read of Paul and Silas in Philippi. Over in Acts chapter 16, when you read Luke's account... Of their stay in Philippi, you find out that the people there were not very hospitable to them, to some extent. Because they had been beaten, they had been placed in stocks and thrust into the inner prison. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas did what? Were they wringing their hands and talking about how difficult life was and what a burden it was to live the Christian life? And woe is me as a child of God. No, the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. How could they do that? Because they had deep-seated conviction in Jesus Christ. Because their lives were focused on Christ. Because he was the thrust of their lives. There was this sense of contentment, this sense of peace and joy within them. 
And so, in short, you could say all was well with them. I know they had been treated despicably. We don't know what the conditions were of the prison cell. Many stripes had been laid upon their backs. I'm sure they were suffering. They were hurting. But internally, all was well. So Paul can write to the saints in Philippi, and he can say, listen, I have learned in whatever state I am therein to be content. Well, Paul, how are you going to be content? Where is the source of your contentment? Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now note verse 19. In verse 19, we think about the great source of blessings made available to those of us who belong to the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you've got one up on everybody in the world. Because you have something the world does not have. That is, you have Christ in your life. And you have this great reservoir of blessings available to you in Christ. And so in verse 19, here's what Paul says to these people who belong to the church. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Many times we want to accentuate our deficiencies. And we want to talk about what we don't have. And we want to talk about how bad things are. And we fail to see the positive. We fail to understand what life is all about. Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you this question. Is Christ your life? Are you content in Christ? If you're not content, maybe the reason is because you have missed what Paul is teaching here. Paul said he's learned to be content. Whatever situation comes his way, he said, I have learned to be content. When he wrote to Timothy, he said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now listen to him. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. If you're basing your contentment on the things that are of this world, you've missed it. If you think the things of this world are going to bring true contentment and happiness in your life, that that's somehow going to fill this void, this vacuum that exists in your life, you're wrong. If you want a good case study of that, just go back and read the book of Ecclesiastes. And note the writings of Solomon. Because literally Solomon is saying, I tried it all. I had it all. You want to talk about a man that had everything that this life had to offer. Solomon was the man. And yet Solomon comes to the close of his book and he said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. All right, you want me to tally it up and tell you what the concluding remarks of Solomon The great preacher was, he said, fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole, that is the whole sphere of our existence is to fear God, keep his commandments. Why, Solomon? Because God's going to bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Paul had 
had to learn contentment. Solomon had to learn what life was really all about. And the problem with many Christians today is we've not learned what life is all about. And maybe the reason is because Christ is not our life. We've given him a piece of our life. We've roped off a small area in our lives for the Lord. But that's all we're giving you. If you want to truly be happy and blessed in this life, you've got to give him everything. As the song says, all to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. If you've not surrendered everything to Jesus Christ, then he is not your life. Now Paul said, when Christ, who is our life, when he shall appear, then we shall appear with him in glory. Paul took a heavenly mindset to life. To the saints in Philippi, he said, Our citizenship is in heaven. Whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's citizenship was in heaven. That's why, that's why he could take such a positive outlook on life. Now tonight, as we conclude our study, I want to ask you very seriously. Is Christ your life? Does he mean everything to you? Is your life centered on Christ? Are you committed to Christ? Are you confident in Christ? Are you content in Christ? If you can't answer yes to each of those questions, then my encouragement to you is you need to do some deep soul searching. And you need to think very seriously about your relationship to the Lord. Because you see, as members of the church, we're a family. And one of the beautiful things about a family is we want the best for one another. We belong to God's family. As I said this morning in our study, we're on our way to heaven. And we want everybody to go. And because we're members of the human family, sometimes we have problems. Sometimes we have heartaches. Sometimes we become discouraged. But you see, the beauty of Christianity is that we can help one another. Paul said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so if you're not what you need to be, then our, our job, our task is to help you be what the Lord would have you to be. So that one day we can all be together in heaven. So tonight we ask, is Christ your life? If not, if you've never obeyed the gospel, then tonight is your golden opportunity. You see, the Bible tells us that Christ died for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, but the Bible says he's coming again. And so when he comes again, he's going to claim his own. Will you be found faithful on that day? If you're not a Christian, why not believe that Jesus is the Son of God? John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. 
In so doing, the Lord will then add you to the church. Acts 2.47. If you live faithfully, the Lord will one day bestow on you that crown of life. Revelation 2 at verse 10. If you're unfaithful, if you're not what you need to be as a Christian, we're here to help you. We would be happy to pray with you and for you with the assurance that God will abundantly pardon any sin in your life. Would you come as we stand and sing?